Today we are in a mess, uh, plain and simple. Today we're in a mess. Our world is in a mess. Look around the last uh, couple of days, the shooting in El Paso, the shooting in Ohio. Uh, we do not have a value that we give to life as a society more. Our, our culture is in a mess. The, 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 the norms of our culture are quickly eroding. We can't even decide on what a gender is uh, any longer. Uh, today our homes are in a mess uh, marriage has been devalued to the point that, that most young people today see no need to even get married, and we don't have to worry about divorce. They're not even getting married in our culture today. Uh, today, homosexuality is heralded as a normal and loving act that God can and God will bless. We're not only accepting it today as a culture, we are celebrating it. Uh, many mainline denominations now are ordaining gay clergy uh, fraudulently standing as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, sexual perversion has become part of our everyday life. Vile acts that, that God says himself that he abhors, it is his language, are now part of what we watch every day, what we hear on TV, on our phones. Uh, we go home from a day of work and we turn on Netflix and we watch sins that Jesus died for on the cross, and we do so, and we eat popcorn while we do it. Pornography is the, the fastest growing, the number one addiction in our country today, impacting almost every single household. Uh, the average age to see hardcore pornography, now the latest statistics say is the age of nine, an act that, that scientists, secular scientists say, rewires the brain uh, most probably for the entirety of a person's life. Uh, we are playing with fire. Today, look around, drug, drug abuse is rampant, and people's lives are, are, are ransacked, they're destroyed, they're derailed in the use of drugs. I was reading this week, uh, the person that, that uh, uses meth for any length of time, 93% of them will die on meth. It will lead to their death. And you look around, even in Vernon, Texas today, it is everywhere we look. Today, materialism drives our lives, and we can try to act like it doesn't, but we are driven as an entire society by materialism. Uh, we chase all these ideas of success. We raise our kids to chase those same ideas of success, bigger houses and bigger cars and more money and more comfort, and all those things produce emptiness and nothingness in our life, and yet that is the standard that we chase Look around, and I see it all the time today. We've produced a, a generation of self-entitled, self-indulgent, self-focused narcissists, people that have to be the center of everything, and most of the time they have to do that by trampling on other people. That's the world we live in today. Today, people are hopeless. They are despairing. They are hurting. I was reading suicide rates are at all times highs. The leading cause of death among our young people is now suicide. They can't find enough hope to even go for another day. Today, the only hope we have, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is laughed at. It is deemed as ignorant. Even in the church today, it has largely gone silent. People that are looking for the hope can't find the hope. And I could go on and on and on today. We are in a mess as a culture today. We are in a mess as a nation today. We are in a mess even in the church today. And friends, at the risk of sounding ignorant, 
And at the risk of sounding overzealous and maybe even crazy, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, at the risk of offending some people, I need to tell you this morning what we need in the midst of this mess, what we need in our world today, what we need in our nation today, what we need in Vernon, Texas today is for the church of Jesus Christ to stand back up and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our only hope. It's our only hope. We think the government's going to solve something. We think somebody's going to have a grand idea. We think the culture's going to get good enough. Listen, our only hope is for the church of Jesus Christ to stand back up and to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we move into the book of Acts. After eight years in a study of the gospel of Luke, we move to the book of Acts, which is actually the follow-up to the book of Luke. It's actually part two. It's actually written by Luke himself. And today, our focus as a church becomes, as we look at the historical movement of the church, that we would also see a great movement in our church. Oh, oh, that God would move in our church, that God would be known in our church, that the good news of Jesus Christ would go out of our church. And as we look at the historical movement of God in his church, that we would be impacted and God would move in our church. Our message today is entitled, Unfinished Business. Unfinished Business. We're in Acts chapter one. We're gonna go verse by verse through the entire book. I'm not going to make any promises how long it's going to take us. Acts chapter 1 today, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 1 today, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. God's Word says this. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven 
will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we are, we are thankful for a Savior. We are so thankful for the forgiveness of our sins. We're so thankful for restoration to the cross and the finished work of Jesus, our hope and our redeemer. Lord, I'm thankful for the word of God. I pray that today as, as we study it, that you would speak to us. And I pray that it would truly be a supernatural event. It wouldn't be a lecture. It wouldn't be the passing on of information, but it would be, again, the word of a living God that is sharper and active than a double-edged sword and that it would have its full impact. In our hearts today, I pray for the church to be in, in, instructed and empowered today. I pray for lost folks to hear the good news and that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we pray that all of it will be for the glory of our great God, and our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we, we praise you, we worship you, we thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What is the church? Why does the church exist? What is the purpose for the church? How do we operate in a church? Are there guidelines for how we operate in the church? Are there some things that, that we for sure, for sure do or some things that we should avoid as we operate in the church? How do we know how to operate in the church? Those are all gonna be questions that we will see as we move through this actual historical record of the formation of the church. Now understand, that's what the book of Acts is. Acts is the record of the first 30 or so years of the church. Very simply, after Christ ascends, this is what happens as the church begins, as the church spreads, as the gospel goes out. Now let me just say this. How marvelous is it that we have this record. How, how awesome is it that we have this record? God doesn't just give us the gospel. He also tells us what to do with the gospel and he shows us the impact of the gospel. Now that's an awesome thing. He, he tells us the gospel. He's clear in the definition of the gospel, but he also shows us as the church what to do with the gospel and the impact of that gospel. Let me tell you, my my prayer as we begin this study is that it would impact our hearts. And I, I spent a big chunk of yesterday praying that, you know what, this would impact our hearts, that it wouldn't just be more information, that it wouldn't just be knowledge. Yes, we're gonna get some knowledge. Yes, we're gonna grow in information, but that it would impact our hearts as followers of Jesus Christ, that it would encourage us, that it would motivate us, some of us, that it would correct us, that it would change us, and that our hearts would be impacted, and that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth, would go out. All oh, that our hearts would be impacted in this study. You see, the answer truly is that the church of Jesus Christ would stand back up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, I'm convinced of that. I look at all the problems today. I watch the news in just the last couple of days. The answer is still that the church of Jesus Christ would stand back up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer is that this study would impact our hearts. Today, we're going to see in our verses, these 11 verses, 
four truths that the church has. These four truths that the church has. Now, we're going to start here in verse 1. The first thing we're going to see is this. The church has a continued mission. The church has a continued mission. Let's start in verse 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, Theophilus, the book of Luke and the the book of Acts are written to this person, this guy, Theophilus. In Luke chapter 1, the first four verses says the same thing. Now, we're not told much about this person. Uh, That is a Greek name. He would have been a Gentile, uh, most likely from uh, the, the introduction that's used in the Gospel of Luke, he would have been a Roman official. It said, most excellent Theophilus. And so this guy most likely held a position somewhere in the Roman government. We're not sure of much more than that. It says this, the first account I composed. That is talking about the Gospel of Luke. That's lucky for us. We've just spent some time in the Gospel of Luke. And so he says, this, this first account that I composed about all Jesus began to do and teach. Now, if you remember, I said it at least a thousand times. Luke was the actual historical account of the life and the ministry of Jesus. That's what it was. Well, as he starts the book of Acts, he confirms that statement. It is about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Verse two, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, And he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, the account of Luke went to or goes through Jesus' ascension. And that's what that verse says. It's the things that he began to do, the things that he began to teach until his ascension, until he goes to glory. Now, in these two verses, I want us to notice one word. Let me read verse 1 again. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Notice that word, began. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, I looked it up. It is actually the verb tense, began. And so the gospel of Luke was all about what Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, I want you to see with this, follow with me right here. Jesus' work of redemption is finished in the death and burial and resurrection, in his death, burial, and resurrection. Understand, it is complete. It is final. There's nothing else left for anybody to do. There's nothing left for him to do, nothing left for any person to do. He has finished the purchase of our redemption in his death, burial, and resurrection. It is completed. It is final. It is finished. Yet, his work of proclaiming, his work of teaching is going on through his people, the church. And what he began to do in the proclaiming of the gospel, we, the church, continue to do. In short, he commissions us 
to take up his cause, to seek and to save that which is lost, Luke 19, 10, through the proclamation of the gospel. Now, I want you to be sure of this. I want you to hear this today. The reason Jesus has not come back is because he is patient, desiring that none should perish. That's what he says. And I want you to be sure today, the only way they will be saved, listen, the only way they will be saved is in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the church. Do you get that? Do we get that today? Listen, do we understand that? People will be saved or they will not be saved depending upon what the church does with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, we need to be very serious today. Your lost family member, your lost neighbor, the person that you love that lives next door, your lost coworker that you rub shoulders with every day, the lost stranger on the street, they will die and they will perish for all eternity apart from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and responding in faith. The church is the broadcaster of that gospel. Now, I can't, I can't say that loudly enough. That, that is huge. That is foundational. That is missing today. Do you understand the reason we exist as a church is not that we would have good things to do, not that we'd have places to bring our kids, not that we'd be able to come and laugh and to fellowship in a meal. The reason for the church is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What Jesus began, we continue in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a continued mission. Second thing we see, the church has a confident message. We have a continued mission, the mission of Jesus Christ, but man, this is big. We have a confident message. Verse three. To these, he also presented himself. Now you just have to listen to this. He presented himself alive after his suffering, after his, his crucifixion. He presented himself alive by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, remember, I think it was two weeks ago, as we were coming to the conclusion of the gospel of Luke, Jesus, after his resurrection, very clearly tells them who he is. He tells them he's the Messiah. He very clearly tells them what had to happen to the Messiah, that he would suffer, that he would die, and that he would live again, that he would be resurrected. And all of those things had to be present in the Messiah. He had to suffer, he had to die, and he also had to be actually physically resurrected. And so he plainly tells them he is the Messiah. He also plainly tells them what had to happen to the Messiah. And then he tells them the result of the gospel is that it would be for the forgiveness of of sin. Now, Jesus not only told them, he showed them. And we're starting to see how important these pieces are. He showed them. You see, they saw him dead. They, they didn't wonder if he was dead. They saw him dead. Some of them took him and pulled him off the cross and they wrapped him in his grave clothes and they placed him in the tomb. They saw him dead. But he made very sure of his resurrection. 
He appeared to them. Acts tells us that. Luke tells us that. He talked to them. He appeared to two of them on the road. He appeared to some there at the tomb. He appeared to some there in the upper room. He, he appeared in a room that was locked. He appeared to them. He talked to them. At a couple of places he said, feel my hands, touch my side. See that the, the resurrection is real. The Bible says he ate fish with them. And Acts says there were many convincing proofs. There are many convincing. The word proofs in the original language means evidences, clear evidences. Be very clear. He wanted them to be sure. He wanted them to be settled. He wanted them to be confident in the message that they would proclaim. Now we read those accounts and we say, well, that's pretty interesting. Listen, he wanted them to be confident in the message that they would proclaim. Listen to me very carefully today. Today in 2019, with all of the advancements of science, with all of the supposed advancements in intellect and academia, listen to me today, in 2019, the church can be confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church can be confident in the word of God that proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. And from, from Genesis chapter one, verse one, every word to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, we have the truth that will stand. We can be confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. We can be confident, sure of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, part of the problem today, and I'll just be honest with you, is we've lost confidence in the word of God. And I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the church today. We've, we've lost confidence in the word of God today. We act like maybe it's something contrived or, or something made up. We act like it's something that science will, be, will, will disprove. And oh, if our kids go to the university, they're gonna come back and they're gonna disprove this. We act like it's somehow suspect and we're not confident in the word of God. Listen to me, that is Satan's plan, it always was. That is the world's ploy. More than that, listen to this. Here's a bigger issue maybe. Today, we don't know enough of it to defend it. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be very real with you here today. We, we today in, in the modern church, we don't know enough of it to defend it. And we go through life and we kind of put our blinders on and we get our, our tail tucked between our legs and we go through life and we hope no one really asks us any deep questions and we wonder, what if, what if somebody says that creation didn't happen that way? And oh, I'm gonna have to scramble for an answer. What if, what if somebody says, yeah, how can you know that there's a God? Isn't that just a, a superstition and a crutch anyway? What, what if somebody says the Bible's not the word of God? It's the work of man. We can prove that. There's all kinds of problems and contradictions in it. What if somebody were to say that to us? What if somebody comes along and says, you're actually gonna pin your hopes on an actual physical resurrection? That's not possible. That's not logical. Isn't it just supposed to be symbolic? Why don't we just say that? Does it matter? What if, what if somebody says there's more than one way to be saved? And that's very popular today. What if someone says, we're just all on path to the same place and who is it us to judge these other folks? We're all headed in the same direction. We're all gonna be saved. What if somebody says that? What if somebody says there's really not a place called hell? 
That's not a real place. Hell is the guilt we carry in this life. That's what Oprah Winfrey says. What if someone says a loving God, he won't actually judge. He, he's, he's marked by love. That's not what he's going to do. And we do not know the word of God enough to defend the word of God. And so in the church today, we are silent. We're scared to death. We're hoping somebody else will answer these questions. Oh, Lord, don't have them ask me. And when the tough questions come, when the tough truths pop up, we start to cry, doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Oh, it's just a bunch of doctrine. Take that to somebody else. And we can't defend the word of God. Peter says, prepare to give, your, give an answer, a defense for the hope that's within you. Could you? Paul says, preach the gospel in season and out of season. Listen, most of the time anymore, it's going to be out of season. Defend it, could you? Folks, I want you to understand this. We have a message that we can be confident in. We have a message that we can be sure of. And while I'm at it, I'll just say this. That's why it's a problem when folks lay out a church, when folks decide they're going to lay out of a Bible study, when they decide they've got something better to do on Sunday night or they got something to do on Wednesday night, listen, it's not about legalism. Nobody's checking off a roll sheet. But if you're going to be confident in the message, the truth of the Word of God, you're going to have to do the work to know the Word of God. That's why it matters. The church has a continued mission. The church has a confident message. It will stand. And the third thing is this. The church has an empowered mandate. It has an empowered mandate. Listen to verses four and five. Gathering them together, he, Jesus, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. Verse five. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, if you remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus told them before his crucifixion of the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said that was the promise of the Father. That was the promise of God. He actually says that the coming of the Holy Spirit would be better than if he stayed himself. Now, that's an unbelievable statement, but that's what Jesus says. It is better for you that I would go and that the Holy Spirit would come. He says you're not going to be left as orphans. We're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, but let me tell you this. Why do you think the Holy Spirit has to empower the church? So we can have great fellowships, so that we can have some sort of false unity. No, he empowers the church to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that's going to matter. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. But after I go, the promise is the, the Holy Spirit is coming. John the Baptist says he baptized. That translates. That means he immersed with water. And that's literally what the translation says. But he says, not many days from now, you will be baptized, you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now, moving to verse six. Now, these are the very first verses that I preached at Calvary Baptist Church. Maybe you can remember back that far, maybe you can't. Very first verses I preached at Calvary Baptist Church, verse six. So when they had come together, 
they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? They're, they're sitting there, they're saying, surely it's now. Surely there's no better time. You've defeated the grave, my lands. What could happen to us now? Surely this is the time. Is it now that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? No better time. Surely this is it. Verse seven. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs. Epochs is a time period. It is not for you to know the times or the time periods, the epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Very simply, he says this, and I'll paraphrase. He says, that's not for you to know. God, the Father, he's over that. God, the Father, he's gonna gonna tend to that. He's gonna be faithful in that. That is his business. That is not your business. Then verse eight starts off with a but. But, however, that's not your business. The Father's gonna take care of that. That's, that's not your business, but, but here is your business, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, Jerusalem, that is the local area. Judea and Samaria, those are the the surrounding areas in the remotest part of the earth. Jesus says, now this is a Route 2 Vernon translation, here, there, and everywhere. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you shall receive power. Now, man, I could preach four sermons on these verses. You shall receive power. And you shall be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. Listen, that's what Jesus says. You shall receive power, and when you receive power, you shall be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. And so get this. We have a continued mission. It is the mission of Jesus Christ. We have a confident message, the message of the gospel, and it will stand but we do not do it alone. We do not do it in our own power, but I want you to see how huge this is. The same God who spoke everything into existence, the same God who parted the Red Sea, listen, that's not a fable. The same God who made a laughing stock of the prophets of Baal, the same God that took Moses and empowered Moses, the same God that triumphed and delivered to the promised land through Joshua, the same God who used a reluctant Jonah, the same God who delivered Daniel there in the lion's den. Listen, more than that, the same God that walked Jesus, who was dead, back out of the grave, alive again in his spirit. He empowers us to this mission and for this message. We have an empowered mandate. And brother and sister, it's time the church start acting like it. It's time the church start acting like it. We've whimpered along long enough. We've cowered along long enough. We've taken up causes that didn't matter long enough. It's time to start acting like it. Many, I'll just be honest with you, many, many, many years ago, 
I played football many years ago. I'm going to tell you, it's an awesome thing to get taped up. I remember being in that locker room, and it's an awesome thing to get taped up. And I was very specific in how I taped up, and I'd pull that jersey on, and I'd, I'd tape the sleeves of that jersey, and I'd, I'd take my wrist, and I'd put on those black gloves, and I'd take myself into those black gloves, and it was an awesome process, and you're there, and you're kind of bouncing around, and I remember walking out, and you'd start to buckle that chin strap, and maybe I didn't have good sense, and I probably didn't, but let me tell you this. I never walked down a tunnel, not once, listen, I never walked down a tunnel, not once, that I did not believe I would whip every person that got in front of me. I may not have had good sense, and I may not have pulled it off, but I want to tell you, I never walked out of a tunnel. I didn't think, you know what, I'm going to whip every person that gets in front of me. I told a guy from Springtown I was going to come back and whip his whole family at his house. (laughs) Even his grandmother, I think I told him. We get excited about that. We get excited about that. Listen to me, that pales compared to this. That is so pathetic compared to this. Listen to me today. We are empowered by the living God, the creator God, the powerful God to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? You want to do something that's awesome? You want to do something that's eternal? You want to do something that glorifies him? We are empowered by the living God to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Listen to these last verses. Starting in verse 9. I'm reading 9, 10, and 11. And after he had said these things, wow, what things? He was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. There he goes. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, can you imagine... Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. This probably had to happen. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. That is the word of God. He will come in just the same way you've watched him go into heaven. In the same way that he went, he will come again. Friends, listen to me today. Time is urgent. Oh, my lands, time is urgent. I I, I believe more than ever, and I'll just tell you, I believe more than ever, Jesus is coming again very soon. Do you see the wickedness of our day? Jesus is coming again very soon. I think if we knew how soon, we'd be scared to death. And listen, the reality of God's word is this. Those outside of a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, they will perish. That's the message of God's word. Listen, it is urgent. It is urgent. It is imperative. That's the call to the church. That's the call to Calvary Baptist Church. Listen, that's the purpose 
For Calvary Baptist Church, that is what we do as a church. Listen, eternity for folks is hanging in the balance. That's our call as the church. It wasn't that long ago that we met here on Sunday morning in two services, and they were both pretty full. It wasn't that long ago that we met at the Wheelbarger Auditorium because two services couldn't hold us. Remember that? We averaged over 800 folks for months. I remember one Easter, we had 1,490 people there. It was an awesome time. It wasn't that long ago we baptized over 100 people a year for six straight years. Wasn't that long ago. There was a movie when I was a kid, and with my dad, I probably watched it at least 10 times, called Big Jake. And all, all through the movie, John Wayne would run into somebody, and they'd ask him his name. Maybe you've seen the movie. He'd run into somebody, and they'd ask him his name, and he'd say, I'm Jacob McCandles. And the, the response was, I thought you were dead. And he would say this, a very famous line. He would say, not hardly. Remember that? I thought you were dead, Mr. McCandles. Not hardly. Friends, I want to tell you something today, and I want you to listen very carefully. The world is still lost. The world is still hurting. People are still looking for the truth. They're clamoring for the truth. They're searching for the truth. Vernon is still looking. Vernon, Texas is still looking for the hope. Somebody please tell me where there's hope. I can't find any hope. Somebody tell me where there's peace. I can't find any peace. Somebody tell me there's a purpose to this life. It doesn't seem to have any purpose. People are still longing and they're looking for the hope of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? That's what this is about. That's why you take a gun and shoot people. They're longing for hope. Hope. They're longing for redemption. Well, we're from Calvary Baptist Church. I thought you were dead. Not hardly. Let me tell you something today. Our world is messed up. And the answer is for the church of Jesus Christ. It is for Calvary Baptist Church to stand up and to preach, proclaim, teach, defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought y'all were dead. Not hardly. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, we come. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of my sin. Lord, I'm, I'm not fit. Lord, I knew what was right and I did what was wrong. Lord, I I rebelled against you. I slandered your name, Lord, but, but you love me anyway. I'm so thankful for the good news. I'm so thankful that today when I wake up, I have hope. I've been redeemed, not of any work that I could have ever done, but in you. Lord, we praise you for that. As we, as we sit here, I pray for the redeemed folks in this room that we would worship you. Lord, we're so thankful for a Savior, still our refuge. Lord, but we also look around and we see the cries of the lost. We see the broken hearts of the lost. We see a world that's quickly going over an avalanche, over a cliff, Lord, and help us to be the church that you've called us to be. Help our town to be filled with churches.
like you've called us to be. Help the gospel, Lord, to go out empowered. I know you have. Help us to be obedient and faithful. Forgive us where we've been off track. And then in all of this, we just, we just pick our eyes up and worship you. You finished the work of redemption. You helped us, called us, empowered us to join the work of proclamation. But every piece of it is in your grace and in your power and for your glory, your great namesake. Lord, we love you so much. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.